Hey, welcome to On This Hill, a new podcast from Church on the Hill. Uh, we are going to kind of just use this space to explore and communicate with you guys, maybe answer some questions, dive a little bit deeper into the sermon, what we've been talking about this last week, maybe what's coming up next week. Bruce. Yeah, we're here together, and uh, the question thing is what the podcast is built around, right? Yeah. Um, we're doing a series right now that we just started, a new uh, a sermon series on Sundays, and that series is called When God Asks the Question. So why are we... Uh, let me ask you this question. Why are we in a sermon series about when God asks questions? What's the value of questions? That's a great question. <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, the questions are how we discover. I think... Uh, when we ask questions or when someone asks us questions, it helps us to process, I think, in a different framework as opposed to just talking, telling, telling. Mm-hmm. Gives us pause, causes us to think and reflect, and oftentimes draws out of us what perhaps wouldn't come out in just a one-way conversation. So throughout the Bible, of course, you see God asking people questions all the time. And of course, that brings up the question, why would God even need to ask a question if he knows everything? So. Do you have questions that you find you use over and over again in pastoral care? Are there questions that you ask people that tend to come up when they come to you over and over again? Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's a few go-to questions when I'm working with people that are, oh, just you know, struggling in development or struggling in um, and, 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 and maybe a coaching perhaps context. Uh, one of my favorite questions is uh, self-awareness. On a scale of 1 to 10... Uh, 10 being extremely self-aware and zero being I got nothing, how would you rate yourself? How would you rate your self-awareness? Self-awareness, of course, is I know what I sound like. I know how I'm perceived. I know how people feel when they're in the room with me. How would you rate yourself on a 1 to 10? And oftentimes, that's a great exercise in sort of uh, self-examination. I feel like that would kind of make people kind of be taken aback, because they have to they have to answer that question. Do you get a typical response? you get a wide variety? Has anybody ever said 10? I'm the most self-aware person you've ever met. <laughs> maybe in a marriage context where the husband will say 10 and the wife will say, well, maybe I think he's a four. But I think, uh, I think it always gives people a sense of pause because we don't often go around thinking in that realm, right? Well, I'm going to rate myself. But I think the, behind it is this very important idea that I should be aware of how I'm perceived or being perceived. No, we've all had a conversation or an, uh, uh, an example where someone thinks they're being clear, someone thinks they're wonderful, someone thinks they're making good decisions, but it's a one-way street because they never ask somebody else, well, how do you think it went or how do you perceive me? I think I'm humble, but do you think I'm humble? And so the self-awareness thing or the questions opens doors for us that normally we might not open. One of my favorite things, <laughs> this makes me laugh when I think about it. One of my favorite things you've ever done in a sermon, you asked people to turn to the person next to them and tell them what they might not realize about themselves. Like you basically said, turn to the person next to you and say, hey, what, what do I maybe not know about myself? How, how am I perceived that I might not understand? The reason why it's one of my favorite things you've ever done is because people did not want to do it. Sure. <laughs> they sure. did not want yeah. to turn to someone and say, how am, I, how am I seen through other people's eyes? Because it's scary. I mean, it's terrifying to think, like, I have a self-image, and I would like people to see me a certain way, right. but then how people actually view me could be very different than that, and that, that idea can be... That's like, 
getting undressed in front of people or something. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's interesting how people view me. There, so there's the word there of uh, asking questions is like looking in a mirror or being asked a question is like looking in a mirror. Uh, without a mirror, I think everything about me is in place. But when I look in a mirror, I realize, oh, uh, there are a few things out of place. Your hair's messed up or there's a smudge on your skin or you, your teeth need to be brushed or something like that, right? So when someone asks me a question, it's like holding up a mirror that forces me to look at myself. And now that's, again, that's, a, that's a, sometimes a painful exercise because I don't want to see or hear what I sound like, but it's so, it's so valuable. It's so, it, 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 it's, it's such a growth thing if, right. and, and, a, and, a, and a maturing thing if we'll embrace it right, and, and uh, do it with the right people. And maybe why we keep going back to marriage over and over again, because right. marriage is such a mirror. The other person, whether we are asking the question or not, they're going to reflect, they're going to show us who we really are. Yeah, I mean marriage or or team relationships yep. or, uh, community or, or community of any kind. Community of any kind, yeah. And that's the whole idea, isn't it? That we get close enough to one another that where we earn the right, or we earn permission, or we feel comfortable and we're trustworthy enough uh, that a question can be asked without feeling I'm going to be hurt, I'm going to be punished, I'm going to be rejected or cast out. And so that's the idea. So one of the reasons why I like this idea for a sermon series so much is because we tend to see ourselves. I think humans tend to tend to portray themselves in the human story as on a quest for God, when the reality is the very first story in the Bible is man hiding from God, not God hiding from man. And then God pulls us out of the bushes with questions. Where are you, Adam? With Moses, what's in your hand? With, with Elijah, we're going to be talking about this next week. Uh, what are you doing here? So questions from God aren't there because he doesn't know where we are, but because he's trying to draw us out. He's trying to be that mirror. I, I, I say sometimes it's like a doorknob. A question is like a doorknob. It gives you entrance into somebody's life. The right question, open the right door, and you find out. I still, we've been married 31 years, and there are still times that my wife just surprises me. I'll ask a question. I'm like, I did not think that was the answer you're going to give. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it opens yeah. up a new part of her that I didn't understand before. Isn't it amazing how many times we can assume something about a situation or an individual, and we find out that our assumptions, and we act on those assumptions. Yeah. I assumed you didn't like me. I assumed you didn't really want to know. You really weren't interested. But when we ask the question, it opens a door that we realize, hey, our assumptions were off. Yeah. Well, a good example is in the New Testament where Jesus finds a man by the side of the pool who's been ill for 30 plus years, and he only can be healed if he gets into the waters when they move, and it's some mysterious, mystical thing when the waters move, the first guy in the pool gets healed, and Jesus comes up next to this man, and, and the writers, the gospel writer is careful to tell us, he's been there for more than three decades, and what does Jesus do? He says to the guy, what would you like me to do for you? Yeah. I mean... From our standpoint, we're like, what kind of question is that? Why would you even ask that? But, but somehow Jesus, the, the, the Lord of the universe, saw fit to ask another human being, I could do a lot of things, but you tell me, who am I, and what would you like me to do for you? I just find that intriguing. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it, because you actually put up a QR code and said pe that people can uh, text yep. in questions. Every Sunday, text them in. Yep, and we got a variety of questions. We got, uh, we got a question about hell. We got a question about the Big Bang Theory. Probably too many to answer. We got a question podcast. about cremation. We got a question about <laughs> pornography. We're not going to tackle all those today. Wide although range. Maybe wide we'll range. get through some of them over time. Um, but there's one here that kind of stood out to me that I'd, I'd like to just just do this one today, and next week we'll we'll yeah. keep going. But someone texted in and said, "Can a limitless God truly understand 
limited humans? That's a great question. It's a great question. And if you texted this in, yeah. you deserve a prize because you're the first one in our podcast that gets the answer to the question. Unfortunately, so you're, you're anonymous, so hope, you won't get one. Hope you're listening, but uh, let us know if it's you, if that's your question. But yeah, can a limitless God understand us, these limited human beings in every way? What an intriguing thought, right? So the God of the Bible um, reveals himself in all kinds of different ways, but one of the things it talks about in regards to his character is his eternalness. As a human being, I can only think about that so far, and then it just my brain just drops off the face of the earth. An, a limitless God, a God who knows beginning and the end. The psalmist said in 139, you know my going out, you know my coming in, my rising up, my lying down. All the days of my life are in your book before one of them ever came to be. That just speaks of this enormous all-knowing, uh, you know, the word is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, everywhere God. That's just mind-boggling to me. So how would he know, how does he know me, and how can I relate to that kind of a God? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple things come to mind for this question. The first one is, it is a great question, because I think it was almost one of the very first things that nearly split Christianity in two, and and why the Nice part of why the Nicene Creed was actually written in the first place. Apostles' Creed was first, then the Nicene Creed. But there was this question of, was Jesus God or was he man? And where we came down, scripturally, where we came down theologically uh, as a, a community of Christ, is that he was fully God and fully man. If, if asking the question, is he fully God or is he fully man, the answer is yes, he's fully God and fully man. And because that is the answer... That means a limitless God, I think, truly can understand limited man because he chose to limit himself to the form of man through his son and to, to take on all of the, all the characteristics of humanity. The, the scripture says he was tempted in every way, just like us, except he didn't actually sin. So it wasn't that he was pretending at humanity and really just fully God. He was actually, actually man. Isn't that one of the unique aspects of the Christian faith that's different than all the other religions, in that the other religions uh, have an approach to God um, that is varied and so forth, Hinduism or Islam or, 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 or some other Buddhism. But, but Christianity is unique in that um, the God that the Bible describes is a God who came near. He's a God who's approachable. And so I think for us, the beauty of that is that... Um, you know, the Apostle Paul says he took upon himself uh, the very nature, right? The, being in the nature of God, he became human. So somehow those two things resided in the same individual, yeah. and and it says that he walked among us. You know, it says that John John would say that he... And I love the way Eugene Peterson describes it. He, the Word became flesh and sort of moved into the neighborhood. So right next door lived Jesus, and he was just look like everybody else, but at some point, yeah. his divinity begins to come forth, but he never loses his, human his humanity. Let's read it. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. I, I, I just, this is one of my all-time favorite scriptures. It says, in your relationships, Paul's writing to the Philippians, and he's, he's encouraging them, be nice to one another, be good to one another, like, like Jesus was. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness. 
And there, that, that says it all. He, he had all the advantages of God, but he chose not to use the advantages of God, but rather to take the nature of not just human, but a servant human. And, and Bruce, one of the things I, found them, I find the most challenging about pastoring and loving people is when they come up against incredible, incredible pain, and you just sit down with them, Yeah. right? And you just yeah. have to... Mm-hmm. And, and Because so many times I cannot say... I know what you're going through because I don't. Right. I've never done it. Yeah. I'm, I haven't. You know, when I've sat down with someone who's lost a child, yeah, I haven't. Can anybody I haven't understand lost a child. me? There are a few times that our our pains overlap. Where you know we've lost a a pregnancy and a baby, and someone else did, and there was a okay. I I think I kind of understand what you're going through, but I'm not you, and you're not me. So you have your own experience. But when I sit down with people, even though I can't say. I, I know what you're feeling, I can say Jesus does. Yeah. Matter of fact, one of my, um, one of my, I guess, more powerful encounters I've ever had with someone who was going through deep pain was in the, in the foster care system. We worked in a camp that took care of, it was just for foster kids. And, and there was a kid there who had been severely abused and neglected and mistreated. And his question was, after hearing the gospel story, hearing about Jesus, his question was, where was this Jesus when I was being abused? Where was he when I was being neglected? And my answer, the only answer I think that actually makes sense and comforts is he was on the cross. He was the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. He knows what abuse feels like. He knows what rejection feels yeah. like. He knows what abandonment feels like. He went through all, all of those things. All the range things. of human trauma. So the, the questioner who asked this amazing question, can a limitless God truly understand limited humans? I wonder if you are, if they are feeling, does God get my pain? You know, Does he understand how much this circumstance right now hurts me? Or am I alone in this? And I would want to tell them if they were here, if it wasn't anonymous. He, he does. I might not, but I really do believe he does. I was thinking of our world, you know, when you were talking, um, our world right now is a hurting world for a wide range of reasons, but most of the pain in our world is because of trauma. The trauma of, like you mentioned, abandonment. The trauma of betrayal, the trauma of violence, the the trauma of uh, of injustice. All those things produce pain in our lives. And the Christian God, the, the God of the Bible, his, the Father says, I understand because I lost a son. Mm-hmm. My son was betrayed. He was mistreated. He was unjustly dealt with, and, 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 and on and on and on it goes. So the, the message of the Bible, the message of the cross, can meet anybody at any place. I, I believe that Jesus walked through the deepest water that anybody could walk through so that Anybody throughout the centuries could could be able to look to that 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 figure, this this Messiah figure, and say, "I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone. I don't have to be alone in my pain. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who understands. Maybe on a human level, which is, is that's helpful. Maybe on a human level, right. no one's ever going to totally. But man, I have a God who not only understands, but He's been there with it, and He cares. That's really the hope of the Christian faith. Yeah. If He wasn't really human, then his sacrifice wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't mean anything for us. 
And if he wasn't really God, it, perfect, it, sinless, then his sacrifice wouldn't right. wouldn't work for us. But because he was both both of those things, and can actually relate to us, Scripture says Hebrews. Can I just read this too? We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Yet, as we are, yet he did not sin. And because of that, he can actually, he not just can relate to us, but he made it where we can relate to him. That's justification, that now I am related to, literally related to Jesus, and his sinlessness is given to me. That That is beautiful. Yeah. And... You know, this question um, goes both ways. Can a God who is limitless truly understand humans that are limited? Uh, I'll never. The, the the understanding of God, the mind of God, is a is a is a reservoir that is you know without bottom. It's it's limitless. So I have to always live with a little bit of the tension of mystery that there are things about God on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, that I will never understand. And God has seen fit to be the, the caretaker right. of those questions, the caretaker of my unanswered questions and my deepest things. But what God says is, I'll move towards you. I'll move towards you while you're on this earth. You don't have to do this alone. I'll walk this with you. All right. Well, I, I think that's probably a great place to end right there. Um, we're going to keep doing this, and uh, we'll ask for more questions as we go. And I, I just encourage you, don't be afraid. You text in a question. Uh, I, I hope we get to it. If we don't, you know, hit us up in person. We, you can come and talk to us as well. This next week, we're going to be looking at Elijah. We're going to talk about uh, basically man at his lowest point. Elijah hit a place where he literally prayed that he could die. He said, God, please take my life and what it looks like when God shows up in our low points. So until then... Maybe you have a friend that would benefit from what you've listened to today. If you do, pass it along, like this, forward it to somebody, bring someone into the conversation with us. We'd love to have you. All right. Hope to see you on Sunday. God bless.